Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Yesterday, I was traveling. I was driving down to my holiday home and I was listening to a number of podcasts. And I still tend to listen to the same things. So the, the, the general sort of gist of many of the conversations were um, therapy, counseling, support, external support is very much in demand. Um, gosh, there's a, you know, with, with our kids especially, there is a huge amount of support required and the resources are really stretched. But not only that, um, you know, the, the, our, our Child Adolescent Mental Health Service, CALMS, is overstretched. And um, I know from my experience and experience from parents that I speak to that the waiting lists are too long or they won't see you unless your child is critical. And by critical, I now mean sort of suicidal. Have they actually made an attempt to take their life or, you know, have they been referred as an emergency case? And for me, this is just absolutely heartbreaking because, to be honest, um, why are we waiting till things get to breaking point before we offer our kids the, the, the support they need? Um, and so, therefore, a lot of parents look elsewhere. Now, if you've got the financial wherewithal to deal and to be able to get external um, sort of support privately, then I know many parents are doing that. They come, you know, many parents are coming to me and, um, and, and I am there to sort of support their kids and help them through the troubles that they've got. But there are many parents that can't afford that. There are many parents that, well, you know, the thing is, is that I don't want to get onto my bandwagon, but, you know, you see in the sort of background people have, smart TVs use, you know, the best TVs and the, the latest sound systems and everyone has a phone in their back pocket. And yet still, still, sadly, there is, um, there is a sort of, I think, kudos or not, I, I can't even think of the word, but the, there, is, there is that stigma, there's the word, there is stigma that people feel as though they failed when they're looking for either parenting coaching or coaching or, or, or therapy for their kids. Therapy, and I use it in the broader sense of the term, external support, um, to me is not a sense of failure. It is a sense of showing that you care. It is a sense of it, it, it sort of basically represents that there are things that you need fixed and you are aware that you can't do it yourself. Um, 
come on, you know, if, if your child needs a Spanish teacher or, you know, helps with Spanish, you go and get them a Spanish teacher. If your car has a carburetor problem, you go to the mechanic. Why we don't go to coaches, therapists and counsellors more often, I don't know. I think it's changing, but it's still not as prevalent at the minute. Anyway, that aside, the purpose of this this podcast is basically, it's called Therapy Without the Therapist, because I am aware that many of you are unable to afford the support that you um, so desperately want from your kids. So I'm going to sort of give you that support. I can't do it all in one podcast. I know that, but I'm going to give you some pointers because it's basically in the absence of calms, in the absence of going for external counselling, therapy, whatever it is, and in, in that absence, um, maybe this can help. You know, the question is, what can I do? What can I do to support my kids? Now, there are the obvious, and, you know, go Google them, that there are the obvious um, sort of issues that are they getting the, the, the right nutrition um, cut down on the sugar, cut down on the processed food. Uh, my sort of saying is is basically if your granny couldn't, you know, didn't cook it, then um, don't have it. it. It's going back to basics. It's making sure, yes, you know, making sure your kids get, um, you know, sort of the, the right nutrients. They need to fuel their body and hydrate and hydrate. Um, but it's so important because sugar has a massive, a massive impact, not only on our body, but also on our emotions. Um, so that is a given. Are they getting enough exercise? Again, that's a given. Um, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be sort of going on a 20 mile hike or, or, or going on a, 20 minute jog or whatever it is it doesn't have to be that i've just taken up hula hooping for goodness sake um i'm i, I i've learned to hula hoop it's it, and it's it's quick and it's fast and now i can do it it's fun i tell you what blimmin egg bruises around the waist but it's just something different um and maybe your kids could do that yeah you do Build up a sweat, believe me. And the wonderful thing about exercise, I think, is that it, it distracts you. It takes you away from what's bothering you. When I was learning to hula hoop, it's the only, for that 10, 15 minutes, it was the only thing I could focus on. Not client sort of deadlines and funnels and 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 social media crap, nothing. All I could think of was this wretched hula hoop that kept on landing around my ankles. Um, so exercise, because it replaces, you know, it, it, it lowers the cortisol and that's the stress hormone and it, it bumps up the, the feel-good hormones, the oxytocin and the serotonin. And, and that's what sort of gives us that more emotional balance. Um, are your kids getting enough sleep? So, so important. I mean, like you wouldn't believe, um, our kids need, teenagers need nine to 10 hours sleep a night. Yeah, not so easy when they're going to bed at two. I know that. So I've always said during the holidays, please let them rest. Um, they're not, it's not laziness. It's getting them, it's recharging their batteries. Uh, and I say sort of fairly similar for the weekends as well. We are on this treadmill of, oh, go, 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 go. And it's just so unfair. And when our kids are going back to school 
shortly if they haven't done already at time of um, release this of this podcast um they're back to that sort of crack of dawn for them um waking up and it's not natural for sort of teenagers to have to get up at such silly o'clock but they do it and that depletes their energy levels so where possible even if they come back and have a nap let them because believe me your child's mental health when it's being compromised is the most important thing that you need to think about um are they needing medication I'm, i'm just reading a book at the minute um and it's just it's just here actually let me just what's it called the end of mental illness and this uh, daniel amen is um a chap who's talking about it's ridiculous how as far as mental health is concerned our doctors our psychiatrists are not looking at the brain um if you've got stomach issues they take scans and oscopies if you have um you know so gyne issues they sort of take ultrasounds if you have um you know stiffness or broken bones or whatever it's mri scans and yet when they are dealing with mental health all we do is do a tick box of let's have a chat and see how you're feeling and i think it's such a shame because we're not looking at the most complicated organ in our body which is the brain um and so meds are being um doled out thanks to the big farmers willy-nilly like smarties i'm not saying this is bad but i'm not saying it's the go-to solution um a while back i was very anti it and i was saying we needed to find alternatives which actually i still stand by we do need to find alternatives to medication but my son has been on medication for um anxiety and adhd and he is so better because of it but i think the sadness is, is that our gps have about 5 5 minutes flat just to say tell me what's going on um blah 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 oh yeah here's a script rather than listen we need half an hour and i will support you and tell you what you need to do so i guess this is what this podcast is all about um is just trying to help parents find different ways of supporting their kids um you need to lower the stress really is as simple as that because our emotional our mental health basically if 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 you're wanting to do therapy without the therapist it's your child's mental health that is suffering what i do want to say however is that our emotions are a wiggly line they're not a straight path there are we have thousands of emotions um and the majority of the go tos are anger and sadness and happiness and that you know if we're not happy then there's something wrong with us and what we have to remember is no life is all about experiencing life it's all about the rough taking the rough with the smooth experiencing the highs and the lows because if it's just if it's just one balanced straight boring line what's the blooming point so we must teach our children that emotions aren't bad be they positive or negative and emotions are temporary you know if you're feeling shit you're not always going to feel shit conversely if you're feeling 
fantastic. You're not always going to feel fantastic. And that's all right. Emotions are two sides of the same coin. It's the goods. It's not even goods and bads, is it? Positives and negatives, because everything is part of what we experience. This is the messiness of life. This is the wonder of life. You know, you're running the 100 meter sprint and you fall over and and then you get up and then you sort of finally finish. And then the next time you don't fall over and then the next time you come third and the next time, you know, do you know what I mean? And it's it's all building on, on what we learn. So the primary thing about minimizing stress is realizing that emotions are fluid and it's okay to have a bad day. It doesn't mean you've got a bad week. It doesn't mean you've got a bad life. And I would say, just remember that just the, the phrase, this too shall pass, and acknowledge that we have to take the rough with the smooth. So how do we help our kids reduce the stress? How do we, as parents, do that? Well, home is the place where our kids come in through the door and they take off their mask. Home is where they feel loved and protected and not judged, and safe. And that includes their bedroom. Keep away from their bedroom. Stop trying to bloody well tidy it. Jeez, just listen to that. Stop trying to tidy your child's blimmin' bedroom. It's not your space. And and it, it was probably, do you know what? It's the probably the biggest issue that parents come to me with and it's going, oh, they won't tidy their room. And do you know what? I feel like saying, are you hearing yourself? I, I, do you know, you can tell I'm getting quite cross. Why is it that it's so bloody important that your child has a tidy room? And I know a lot of people sort of say, oh, well, tidy room, tidy mind. Um, do you know what more, puts more pressure on them as you breathing that down their neck, telling them they've got it wrong? And ask them, do you want me to tidy it for you? Do you want me to make your bed? Do you want me to? And if they say, yes, please, I can't cope, then there you are. You've got the carte blanche to do what you like. But the majority of the time, the kids go, no, leave it alone. Stop prying. This is my space. And please respect that. I think the thing is, is that we all, you, me, your kids, whoever, we all want to feel loved, understood and respected. And if you blast in and go and tidy their room, you're basically saying, you're doing all this wrong, you've got to do it my way. Which is fine for a five-year-old, but it's not so great for a teenager. And it's like, you're bad at this, you're bad at life, I've got to sort you out. And, and no, really, is the answer to that. You, your job, when your child hits the teenage years, your job is to be their ally, to move from manager to mentor. They are trying to work out where they fit in. They're trying to work out who they are. They're trying to work out, yeah, where they fit in in the world. This is why their friends suddenly turn so much more important than you. You're a given. You're there. They should be feeling loved, understood, and respected. So it's your job to be their ally. So you do that by lowering your, your expectations. You do that by by not juggling so many plates. Work out what's important, not what's urgent. Um, I remember when Jack went to secondary school 
And the first thing he said to me when he came back is, I'm, I'm ditching all my extracurriculars. And I started twitching. And it's, oh, no, you can't. I mean, it shows that you're a good rounded individual. And it was like, and he went, no, he said, it's too much. I can't do it. And I, he was going to tennis and squash and extra classes and, and um, swimming and you name it. He would, I had him done for everything, as I did with Alice. And um, he just said, I'm doing none of it. And he absolutely point blank refused. And he said, My, I, I don't have the bandwidth. I can't cope. There's so much more work. There's so many more demands. And I, I can't do all this stuff after school. And I thought, bloody hell, you're quite right. What have I been doing? This isn't a competition. It's this, you don't get a badge of honor for busyness. And I think the thing is, is we we fill we uh, our kids at the minute. We fill their lives with distractions, and we fill their lives with stuff that we teach them that you you have to be doing stuff. And so when they're sitting there in the corner with, with nothing to do, the, you you hear the I'm bored because they haven't learned how to sit with themselves. They haven't learned about the space of just seeing what's going on in their mind because they're permanently doing extracurriculars. They're permanently running on empty. So we need to reduce those expectations, lower the expectations. And sometimes, sometimes that's um, accepting who you are and accepting who your child is. And you might grieve who your child is becoming, as in who you thought they were is not who they're becoming, if that makes sense. Um, You might grieve the future you thought you had. So many kids are neurodiverse. My my son included, he's 28, and he's just recently, in the last six months, has been diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, a lot of the mental, a lot of the health professionals are going, oh no, this has been going on since childhood. You've obviously missed it. And the book that I'm reading, The End of Mental Illness, is sort of saying, well, there are many reasons for these things. And it could be, it could be genetic, yes, it could be, you know, but there are other reasons, um, brain trauma or, you know, something's triggered it. Um, so I'm, and you, gosh, I'm only a third of the way in through the book, but it's making me feel better as a parent. But the point is, is that I am, um, I am more accepting now of the, 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 the challenges that Jack has to deal with rather than before it's, you know, why is he not getting anything done? Why is he not good? And, and we just need to stop. We need to lo- not lower our expectations Maybe manage our expectations, maybe not lower them, that's unfair. Because, but it's just acknowledging that what you anticipate is going to happen isn't always the case. Hello, wiggledy line again. Um, we need to teach our kids to create their own boundaries, to help them live the life that serves them best. What do I mean by that? Doing the things that work best for them. And it's really interesting because when, when my kids were growing up, Alice was always having friends around, always going out, always busy, busy, busy. 
And, oh, that's lovely. She's, she's so sociable and look at her and she's doing all these lovely things. And then I was going to chat. Why aren't you, why aren't you seeing your friends more? Invite them round. Do this, do that. Look at Alice. You've got to sort of be more sociable. And I said, no, come flip's sake. And I was, again, comparing Jack's way of working to Alice's and, and implying that Alice's way was best. And in fact, Jack needed, he's more of an introvert than Alice. So he got his energy from recharging his batteries at home. Um, and he just, you know, yes, he saw his mates at school, but he didn't need to see them 24-7. Um, and yet I was judging that. Not him. I wasn't judging him. I was judging that. And why, why isn't he doing it? Why can't I encourage him to do it the, the same way as Alice? Because he's a different child, for goodness sake. So it's working out the boundaries that suit your child best, what works for them and what doesn't work for them. You know, for me, let's use an example. For me in my working day, I have learned I can't do more than four talking sessions a day. No, by that, it's not just client-facing, but it's doing interviews being interviewed or, or recording podcasts because I have a pot of honey by my desk because any more than, well, I've, my voice feels the strain after two sessions, so four is just a nightmare. So I have to load my calendar accordingly. Um, I've learned socially and it doesn't always fit in. And, and, and for my slightly sort of differently wired friends, my the way I best focus socially is Meet me for breakfast, meet me for lunch. Absolutely brilliant. And you will catch me on my game. But past four o'clock, no, that ain't happening. So you're, you're, don't ask me to do a dinner party. Don't ask me to meet up and go somewhere in the evening. I'm just ready. I want to be in the jammies. Thank you very much. Does that work for some people? No. No, the night birds are sort of going, God, you know, Kai's a bundle of laughs. Why won't she come out with us and have cocktails for all evening? Well, A, because Kai doesn't drink, but hey, seed lip and all those other wonderful things are great. But that's not how I operate. I never have. I'm, I would always prefer to be seeing friends and more to the point, one to, on a one-to-one -one basis rather than in a group. And lots of other people like having the group. Of, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's working out what, what works for you best. Um, how, how does your child operate and what do they need? Um, because once you've got your boundaries, you start feeling safe. You start feeling as though you start feeling as though you are able to function properly, you are able to just live your life on your terms and, and it brings back the confidence and there's less of that panic and there's less of that overwhelm. And we need to give that tool to our kids. So how do you find that out? Well, I'll tell you what, talk to them. Tell them. You know, I, I, I started talking to my kids about my social anxiety. And it opened up some wonderful conversations because I made myself vulnerable. So they realized that A, it was okay, and B, that they're not the only one, if that makes sense. Um, and it was really interesting. But it's also, you know, it's, it's understanding that what we need and what our kids need are different things. 
And the only way you can really find out is by talking to them and by finding out what their fears are, what their anxieties are, what their hopes are, and what their dreams are. And 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 a lot of it, we, we need to be that role model and we need to show them that talking about our feelings is okay. Um in I, I'm a master practitioner in NLP and um sort of a, a few of the sort of um NLP principles are that we each view the world differently. You know, if I if I went to a Dolly Parton concert and took my son, you know, my whole family, Mike would be standing in the bar going, really, this isn't my cup of tea, but I'll, you know, pick me up when you're leaving. Alice would be sitting there sort of going, bloody hell, who's this old bird and what the hell is she doing here? She, you know, they even had her on Glastonbury and she was miming then. Why, why is she still here? And Jack would be sort of doing the, God, well, the acoustics are appalling. The light show's diabolical. And what the bloody hell am I sitting here wasting my time for? Thank God none of my mates are going to be here to see me. And my mum would be sitting there going, oh, my God, isn't this fantastic? Isn't she wonderful? And all my family are here. And yet we would all be seeing the same thing, but we would be experiencing it differently. Do you know what I mean? And that's how your kids and you and and you and me and everyone, we all view everything very differently. And we can't presume that people have the same model of the world. So we need to understand our child's model of the world. But also what we need to do is to understand that each and every one of us are coping with life the, the very best we can with the resources and the knowledge that we have. So. We've got more knowledge. Come on, we've been around the block. We we've we have more life experiences, more um, experience. Full stop. Our kids don't, and we cannot presume that they can deal with things properly. Allow them to make the mistakes. Allow them to grow and learn. A bit like the hundred meters, you know, race I was just talking about. They they they're not gonna get it right first time. When they're practicing the piano, they're not going to get it right first time. When they are trying to talk about their feelings, they're not going to get it right the first time. But we need to hold a space for our kids to be able to communicate and talk without judgment. Um, Maya Angelou said something along the lines of, you know, when you know, I I can't remember the quote exactly, but it's when you know better, you will do better. But the point is, don't beat yourself up if your child doesn't want to talk to you. Because why would they? Because you're long in the tooth and you're their parent and, 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 you know, you know nothing. Sometimes we need to get them to open up to someone else. My, you know, I learned that at a very, when my, when Jack, you know, he's 28 now. So when he was 15, 16, he wouldn't talk to me. He didn't want to, you know, I was probably half the problem seem to be getting it wrong all the time, making him go to extracurricular activities, for God's sake. Um, but he, he, he found his trustworthy adult was his uncle who got him and just held a space for him and just offered a bit of support. And that's all our kids need, actually, the space and the support to be able to just talk about what's going on. Um, and that, I'm, you know, I, I'm talking. This is, this is. You, you can find those people. You can find those people. You don't always have to pay them. It could be your their mate's mum. It could be an uncle or a granny or a pastor or a youth coach. It doesn't have to be. They don't have to be paid. 
of course, if you know, if you know, there's someone like me, I, I have both the years of experience and the qualifications, and I can help as well. Um, you know, and people like me. I mean, but it's just find someone that your child feels comfortable with. Um, it's it's you know, and and I've got a client that doesn't speak to me during the school holidays because she doesn't need it, but she, as soon as you know, we're just coming up to the beginning of term and and I'm booked in for fortnightly chats with her because school is her stressful time. So when I say remove stresses, blimey, sometimes we can't. Well, we can. Sometimes kids become homeschooled and that sort of sorts issues out. Um, but it's acknowledging what, what support network does your child need? Um, and maybe they need, maybe they need someone like me or, you know, other support at certain times, not always, not always, um, you know, 24-7, maybe just a couple of times, just the majority of the kids I speak to, I only see twice, um, seriously. Um, and it's just to sort of one, well, I'll tell you what, love, you're doing, this is life and you're doing brilliantly and, and giving them a, 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 an overview of what life's all about. That's usually session one. And then the session two it's helping them with a number of exercises. So anyway, let's talk about those exercises. What can you do? What can you offer them? Well, as I said, emotions are a big wiggledy line. And emotions are the thing that causes our kids the most mental health issues, mental emotions going hand in hand. Um, so the biggest, biggest no brainer, excuse the pun, is box breathing. Kygram.com forward slash box breathing, or one word. I'll put it in the show notes. And um, it's basically deep breath, it's breath work because breath work isn't words, it communicates to your body. And when your body starts slowing down and getting calmer, it tells your mind to do the same. So I want you to think of a box. And I want you to breathe, and just you trace across the line, the top of the box, the side of the box, the bottom of the box, and up against the side of the box. So you breathe in for four, and you pause, and you breathe out for four, and you pause, and you breathe in for four, and you pause. And you breathe out for four and you pause. You keep just doing that. One or two minutes will do it because it takes one or two minutes for the hormones to readjust. And for you, listen, I've calmed down already. And for your body to say, oh, okay. Okay, that's cool. Things are calming down. Another one is doing a body scan and working out where you're feeling this tension, this fear, this wobbleliness or whatever. I call this Color Me Beautiful. Um, I've got a course on breathing, kygram.com forward slash breathe. Um, and we go through all of these, I think there's seven breathing techniques. But go into your body and trace where the tension is and find it. And this is very briefly, name, a, name the colour that it feels. And we want to substitute that colour for something different, something better, more positive, more freeing, more calming. What is that new colour? 
So basically, when you inhale, you breathe in the new color, and when you exhale, you breathe out the old color. So you would, let's say you you know the feeling tension in your chest is feeling red. Well, you breathe that out, and you breathe in the calm, which is a sky blue, for example, and you keep doing that until the red has disappeared totally. So try that. What else do we do? Try colouring in, try crocheting, try craft something or something just to focus the mind on totally. Maybe dive into a good book or just help your child. Not It doesn't necessarily have please not sort of cat videos and, and um, streaming on YouTube channels of, you know, whatever, because that sort of still stimulates the brain. What we look and numbs the brain, actually, it numbs the feet, numbs the emotions. But um, too many devices affects the melatonin and, and kids can't sleep so well. So find an alternative colouring in or, God, come on, um, Tom Daly knits, for God's sake. Thank God he's made that cool. But do you know what I mean? Find stuff that your child enjoys, your child enjoys doing. Try hula hooping, for goodness sake. Watch out for the bruises, but they do go. But it's just less busyness, less chaos you don't more to the point you don't have to problem solve all this you don't have to make your kids problems go away but what you it, what is important is you support them and you look after them and you let them know that it's okay and then maybe in my book i've got the critical thinking method um which sort of helps them break stuff down. Why is this happening? What can I do differently? And, and help them pick it apart because when they do that learning exercise, they remember it. Whereas if you say, just do this, then they don't, they don't remember it. So they have to keep on needing support. Um, and finally, the one thing that has helped me with my mental health, especially in the lockdown, is staying away from the media. Now, it's got, it's got loads and loads of goods the media has, but it's a, I don't know, it's appallingly negative. And I, I was watching, I've, you know, every so often I tune in just to make sure that, that you know, the world hasn't stopped turning. Um, and I, I've been following a lot about our sports people we, who are, you know, the, the, the sport, the, the ones that excel. Um, and many of them are being brave enough to say that they are withdrawing temporarily, permanently, who knows? They are withdrawing because of their mental health. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. That's what I say because it's so blooming important that we are acknowledging that mental health is a priority. Ben Stokes, a cricketer, um, announced that he was, um, you know, he's world class cricketer playing for England, and he announced that he was pulling out as of immediately. Um, yes, he's nursing an injury, but also for his um, mental health. Um, anyone that follows Wimbledon will have seen um, Emma Raducanu's wobbles because just, you know, life became so overwhelming for her, the pressures that she was under. Um, Simone Biles, the, 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 the US gymnast, um, withdrew very publicly from the you know the public arena 
And not only our sports people, actually, but Katy Perry, Taylor Swift are very vocal about their own mental health. But you know what really, really got me? This made my blood boil. Is that our Olympic rowing team um, didn't do as well as expected. And the media came down on them like a ton of bricks. We got six fourths. How appalling is that? There will be big questions asked of our rowers and, and the system and where we all went wrong and how appalling it is that there were no golds. And, and it was, I just thought, how very, very dangerous that we say that getting fourth in the Olympics is a failure, that we are saying that our Olympic rowers have failed us and this is what i mean about expectations but look at the message that we are saying to the kids watching this is that they've reached the olympics and they have failed to get a medal and i just i i i think the media and us because we are the parents we have a duty of care to what we say and what we allow our children to be privy, the information that we allow our children to be privy to. And if we see stuff that is incorrect or wrong or needs adjusting or needs um, highlighting, we need to call people out on it. Um, we need to support our kids. We need to talk to our kids. We need to encourage our kids that we do not have to excel at everything, that normal is good, that average is good, that it is acceptable, that it is just, it is wonderful. And we embrace the messiness of us. Why we have to excel, why we have to be first at everything, I do not know, because it puts us under so much pressure. We want our kids to be mentally Oh, well, it's my mission to support parents so that they can support their children most, so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. And that stops with, starts with us. And so it's helping our children understand that being average and normal is not something to be ashamed of. It is something to be embraced. And we need to encourage our children to live their lives their way and to be happy, not all the time. We don't have to be happy all the time, but we do need to support our kids in this journey. And if you need support, then go look for it. And if I can be that person, then reach out. Anyway, sending you much, much love, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? 
parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.